Welcome to the America in Focus podcast powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. America in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. Joining me today again is Casey Harper, Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Center Square. We're recording this on Friday, July 29th. Casey, it's been another tough week for President Biden when it comes to economic news. Second quarter GDP data indicates the U.S. is in a recession, despite the president's claims. But let's start with the latest inflation news that was released just a few minutes ago. The U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis just released data on its personal consumption expenditure, another key marker of inflation. Tell us where it shows, Casey. Yeah, that's right. Uh, This sounds kind of technical, but it's one of those key markers that economists look at that the Federal Reserve looks at, and probably one of the reasons they took the action they took this week, which we'll get into um, a little bit later. But uh, this marker showed a 1% increase in prices uh, just in the last month alone, the month of June. So that is a definitely a big increase um, leading the way, which is something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast, were energy prices, which increased 7.5%. Um, with gas prices going down, there may be some relief in that regard. but Right now, uh, we can see that this inflation marker shows what we've been seeing over and over and over again. Inflation is at the highest level in decades. And um, it's important to note that these inflation numbers, you know, you might think that it would start to slow down because of uh, a lot of the arguments have been made around it were that it was COVID related supply chain and different things. Now there is Ukraine, which is which is not helped. But any thought that, you know, this is just going to slow down in the next couple of months, that, that argument, you don't really hear that anymore. It seems that's gone out the window and people are expecting uh, more inflation for many months to come. So we're heavy, heavy on economic news and what it means to everyday Americans this week. Inflation has been elevated now for well over uh, a year and, and Americans are just struggling. We'll talk about some of uh, some surveys that came out this week and, and how Americans are dealing um, with inflation, but all indications are that this is here to stay with us for, for a little while anyway, huh? Yeah, that's right. I mean, <clears throat> we've seen this, I've been writing about this, talking about this on the podcast month after month. And, you know, there are some external factors like the war in Ukraine. Um, there are still some, you know, supply chain issues, but I mean, one of the biggest factors that doesn't get talked about as much that clearly shows no sign of stop, uh, no sign of stopping is federal spending. Um, it's gone up and up. It's increasing. You know, we're going to talk a little bit later about just the the budget and how out of control it's been. Um, there was a big, um, you know, splurge, I guess you could say, around COVID, uh, where there were multiple um, stimulus and COVID relief, you know, bills that were passed that really sent the, um, you know, the deficits uh, skyrocketing. But it, it's not going away anytime soon. Also, just yesterday, Casey and you wrote about this at the Center Square. Dot com um, second quarter GDP showed great, uh, negative growth. That would be the second consecutive uh, quarter that we saw negative growth after um, first quarter, quarter figures um, came out. Um, that indicates that the U.S. is in a recession, but uh, President Biden says we're not in a recession. Many economists disagree with that. What's happening here? Yeah, this is a uh, the big story of the week to me. Um, and it's one of those, what is the definition, what the definition of the word is, is, uh, I mean, any, uh, you know, two weeks ago, before this became political, any economist would have told you that 
um, six months or two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth was the definition of a recession. Actually, I got a lot of attention on Twitter just by, you know, Googling definition of recession. It pops up, you know, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. I screenshotted that and shared it on Twitter. And, you know, a a lot of people were talking about it because uh, I think that, you know, I mean, I don't want to call Biden out too much on this. I think all politicians do. You try to kind of uh, message around things. You try to change the rules. You try to um, rework things to fit your um, your political you know agenda. What you need to do, they all do it. But he's been, I think, he's been caught pretty red-handed here, trying to change the definition of recession. So, um, in the first quarter of this year, there was a one point six percent decrease um, in GDP, and then in the last, uh, you know, the the most recent quarter, there was a 0.9 percent decrease. So that's two consecutive quarters. Not, and this isn't you know 0.1 percent or a lot of actually a lot of economists said that this decrease wasn't going to happen. So these numbers were worse than worse than expected. There's a lot of reasons for it, but it's not exactly accurate to say you can't just blame this on COVID either, though. We already had the COVID dip. We had the COVID you know, GDP decrease and then we recovered from it. Actually, last year we had GDP growth. And so everyone thought, OK, we're back on track. The GDP is growing again. But then the first quarter of this year, GDP decreased. And I was like, okay, you know, this isn't good. What's going on? And then again, it's decreased. And so um, some of that has to do, I think, with less federal spending. Um, there's, you know, obviously the stock market's taking a hit. Um, the oil markets are really in disarray for, for a few reasons. But overall, you know, we've seen from a lot of the data, small businesses are really worried about the the inflation rate. They've put a freeze on hiring. They're worried they can't meet their costs. A lot of biz- small businesses are afraid they're going to go actually go out of business. So it's not fair to blame it all on inflation, but that is one major factor that is making Americans feel like they have less discretionary income and is making businesses feel like uh, they better play it safe. They shouldn't grow. They shouldn't expand. They shouldn't hire. And so um, it's just like, it's a complicated thing, but overall it's not good. And you know, we can get into the debate about whether it's a how you would define a recession, Dan, or not. But in some ways, that kind of is a distraction from whether we call it a recession or not. It's clear that a lot of Americans are hurting and a lot of small businesses are feeling the pain. Well, before we get into that debate, um, Casey, you want to make a couple of plugs. You, of course, as you do every week, patted yourself on your back on the back. Um, yes, I'm still, my arm's still sore from all that. But yeah. yeah, I'm sure it is. Plugging your social media, your your Twitter account. At Casey Harper 33. What was at, that? So go ahead, Dan. That's right. Follow Casey uh, at, at Casey <laughs> Harper 33. I'm curious. So what does the 33 mean? Oh, 33. Well, let's go uh, all. Um, let's go in on it. Uh, it's actually that's how many years Jesus was on the earth. So a little shout out to, you know. Okay. One true king, Plug my faith. Nothing wrong. Big fan. Big fan. Nothing wrong with that. And we are, as as I mentioned, we are going to be heavy on the economy mm-hmm. um, this week. Well, the way uh, the economy is going, I think we could use some prayers for it. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I think we all could, no doubt about uh, that. But as I mentioned, the uh, the American Focus podcast is part of uh, America's Talking Network, and uh, if you're interested in the topic of inflation. The Everyday Economics podcast just released this morning on America's Talking Network. You, know, you can find that at americastalking.com with the nationally recognized economist Orfe Devungi. Check it out at americastalking.com. That's the Everyday Economics podcast. But now let's go back to this debate about what a recession is. Is this just political spin from President Biden and his administration um, saying that the yeah it's the 
quote unquote technical definition uh, of a recession, two quarters of GDP to, uh, negative growth, uh, but it's not the real definition of a recession. Yeah, I got to say, there's got to be some White House staffers that are dizzy right now from all the political spin and the spin factor that's going on. I mean, there you can see a little bit why Biden could make this argument. Uh, the the argument that doesn't sound as good, but is more true is this recession is not as bad as other recessions have been recently in our country. And that is true. You know, the negative GDP growth we have seen um, is not as bad as what we've seen in, you know, recent years, not, you know, the way the economy is faring now, it's definitely not doing great, but it, it's not as bad as like in 2008 or something. So I can see why they would not want to equate what's going on now with like 2008 by saying, oh, it's not that bad. It's not a recession. Um, but it is really political. And the other thing to remember is, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a midterm election year, right? And so that cannot yeah. be forgotten. All these, how the last thing you want to be as an incumbent Democrat is going right down the line to November election and have every attack ad against you be about the official numbers say they're in a recession. You're going to hear every attack ad, you know, talking about this because, hey, when, when uh, before the Democrats were elected, there was no recession and now there is a recession. You know, I mean, it's uh, that's an oversimplification big time. And we did have, you know, GDP loss um, during COVID and all that. But that's the political messaging. We're talking about political messaging coming in uh, a midterm election year. You guys put us in a recession. Democrats are already facing a lot of trouble with um, uh, the higher costs and inflation. So if we can if if, if they they have to face inflation and recession. That might be a one-two punch that knocks out a lot of Democrats in tight races. And let's face it, while you know there are <laughs> the past this past six months, it's like six months to a year, year and a half. President Biden's entire uh, term in office so far, there have been huge, huge issues. You've got um, the southern border and uh, President Biden, what, what what Republicans call his open border policies. You've got the Supreme Court overturning. Roe versus Wade. Um, you've got you know th- these mass shootings uh, and mm-hmm. debates over gun rights. But when it comes down to it, American families, American voters, you, their economics, what happens with their pocketbooks, the high cost of inflation. I mean, that's the number one issue. And Democrats do um, uh, face some big challenges when it comes to the midterm elections. But let's move on. Although it's a very similar topic, um, the Federal Reserve announced for the second consecutive month a 0.75% interest rate hike. Um, uh, what's what's happening here? Yeah, I just want to real quickly make a, a quick point on what you were saying, which is, uh, you know, it's the political implications of the recession and inflation. And um, when one thing to think about is it, is a lot of the polling shows that voters trust different parties more on different issues, even if they don't necessarily like vote with that party. And so, you know, voters trust Democrats more on climate change. The polls show that they trust, uh, actually they used to trust Democrats more on education, but in recent years with everything that happened with Glenn Youngkin, that's actually evened out where voters trust Republicans and Democrats about even on education issues. Um, Recently elected governor of Virginia, Right. Who kind of rose um, to success in large part because of a lot of the controversy going on with the education system in Virginia. Right. And saying parents have rights when it comes to their children's education Mm -hmm. in public schools. Exactly. Exactly. And so but I say all that because when you look at the economy, 
Um, voters trust Republicans way far more on the economy um, than they do Democrats. That's not, this is a factual statement. And so when the economy is not a big issue, that doesn't help Republicans very much. When the economy is doing great, voters feel like they don't have to worry about the economy. They can make their decision based on other things. But when the economy is doing poorly like it is now, it's like, all right, we got to focus on the economy again. And poll after poll has shown for years and years that voters trust Republicans more when it comes to creating jobs, when it comes to stimulating the economy. And so that is another thing to keep in mind. And that's why Republicans are always messaging about the economy. They want to keep the conversation about the economy. And that's why you see so many Democrats trying to change the conversation to being about anything, abortion, climate, anything, because Republicans win on the economy in most vote and the majority of voters' minds. But on the Federal Reserve, the, the Federal Reserve actually did something more aggressive than what a lot of people expected a few months ago. They they announced another um, 0.75% uh, interest rate hike increase. Um, now, I won't go into all the implications of what that means and, and why they're doing it. But the, the main reason thing to know about that is it is a way to combat inflation. And it is definitely an, aggre- an aggressive step. Um, Because they just did it a same similar rate rate hike um, last month, and when they did it last month, a lot of people said, "Wow, that was a little too aggressive. You're overcorrecting." Now it's been a month, and they're already doing it again. So you know, the Federal Reserve, uh, their their main um, directives are to keep inflation low and to keep unemployment low. Um, You know, unemployment actually has been um, pretty good um, in recent years, and so. But of course, as we've been discussing, maybe at ad nauseum, inflation's been really bad. So they've announced this rate hike. Um, whether it works or not, you know, we'll see, uh, it'll definitely, it'll almost certainly bring down inflation some, but the thing to watch out for here is that these kind of rate hikes hurt economic growth and always risk putting you into a recession. And depending on who you ask, we, we already are in a recession. So, um, it's, it's not good timing. Go ahead. And it just makes, it makes the cost of borrowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, money more expensive. If you're in the market to, to to go buy a house, whether it's your first house or a second house or or whatever, that makes it more expensive. If you're looking to buy a car, it makes it more expensive. And of course, it makes it more expensive for businesses um, to invest in infrastructure and growth as well. So, so there are significant implications when, when it comes to the overall economy with these interest rate hikes. Yeah, it is. And um, I, another shout out to, to Orphe and the um, Everyday Economics podcast, because in my story at thecentersquare.com, um, I mentioned some analysis from Orphe where he points out that uh, one of the big drivers, the things that drove GDP growth down was a, a decline in residential investment. Right. And so that's part of what you're talking about right there is the cost of houses have gone up, of course, but also the cost to borrow money to buy the house. Has gone up, and we've seen a real a sharp decrease in the demand for mortgages. So fewer people get a mortgage. You know that's a major part of the economy, of course. And so that's just weird. that's a great thing to point out, and and that's something that has been part of the conversation is the decrease um, in mortgage demand that has led to a worse economy. And a shameless plug one more time, the Everyday Economics podcast can be found at americastalking.com, Sticking with the topic of inflation. Um, Casey, it is July 29th. We're almost into August when um, parents start preparing their children to go back to school. Um, and because of inflation, um, everything costs more. So back to school shopping is going to cost more. You uh, wrote about a, a new survey this week. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is one of those uh, the impacts. A, a new morning consult uh, survey that was released this week, found that parents expect to spend more money 
and report being less excited about shopping um, for their children year. You know, with the price for their children this year, they say they're cutting back on expenses. Um, and uh, they found that 19% of parents, quote, cannot afford all the back to school supplies they need. Uh, that that number was just 9% in 2020. So that's it's more than double. The number of parents who are going into the school year saying, I cannot afford to buy my kids everything they need has more than doubled. I mean, one in five, according to the study, one in five parents that you see on the street is worried that they can't buy all the binders and notebooks. And um, actually school clothes are the biggest, it was one of the biggest, you know, costs for going back to school. But when they look at that, they say uh, they're going to have to cut back. They're going to have to only buy um, the essential. More than half, 57% of back to school shoppers say they're concerned about inflation. Um, so this is on people's minds. And, you know, we won't, we don't have to go back in the political implication. But when you, when people are having to think about, you know, the politics and their ha- spending habits in a different way when it comes to their kids, that is the kind of thing that really um, <laughs> troubles uh, incumbent uh, members of Congress and incum- incumbent uh, senators in the White House, of course. So, but parents are feeling this pain and it, the, the number who are worried about it or can't pay it is more than doubled. So it's pretty troubling. I guess you're out of the back to school buying a uh, phase, Dan, is well, that right? Do you remember those days and, and how that, that budgeting impacted you? Yeah, not, you, you know, not, not really completely out of that that uh, my kids okay. are uh, both graduates of high school and but they're both in college mm-hmm. and they're both going to be leaving to go back to school in the next couple of weeks um and we do uh, they're both going to be living in apartments off campus uh settings um so we do try to help them out with you know everyday living expenses or whatever so no I'm not really past it I am thinking about it um, of course, we're going to be paying rent on their apartments, paying tuition, that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> no, I'm not out of it. It's the I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm just thinking, uh, you know, the the day you're not walking through the the aisles of Walmart putting red and blue folders in your shopping cart anymore. But yes, not doing that. But expenses. Yes, definitely spending more than I'd rather. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you report uh, you reported this week also on how inflation is affecting rural. America. Tell us about that. This is really interesting. Um, a study found that uh, this is from Iowa State University, um, and it showed that rural households are more vulnerable to inflation for a couple of reasons. So, um, you know, in uh, it's it found that in 2020, uh, rural households post-tax income stood at 58,000, and about 82% of rural incomes went toward expenses, uh, which let you know left less discretionary income, mm-hmm. but. It, it mo- that in 2022 expenses rose by 18.5 percent overall for these rural families. Meanwhile, their earnings have not risen at the same rate, only six percent. We've talked about this a lot. So their expenses rose 18 percent, while their wages only rose six percent, which is only you know of course only a third of that. So uh, the net effect cut rural discretionary incomes by 49 percent, you know, negative 49 percent. So. Then that happened in just two years. That's the other thing. I mean, we see some of these trends sometimes uh, over, you know, a decade or something. But to see uh, such a sharp decrease in discretionary spending in just two years is serious. You know, and urban households were less affected, um, that, largely because they make more money um, and already had more discretionary income. Um, and their expenses in urban areas actually rose less than in rural, and in rural areas. So we talk about this inflation um, and we talk about these inflation rates and how much everything went up. Every number we say is actually higher if you live in a rural area than if you live in a city. 
Um, so that is, I mean, that's a really interesting angle. It might be counterintuitive for people because we think of cities as more expensive, but, um, and of course they are, but the, the percentage change, uh, is rising so much is rising faster in rural areas and their wages are, are not going up. Yeah. That, that's interesting. It's just a, another a sign that inflation is impacting all, uh, all Americans, no matter where you live in the heartland or in, you know, major urban areas. And why don't we get off the subject of inflation and the economy? Casey, we've been, we've been extremely heavy on that uh, this week. Of course, the news hasn't been great. We also wrote about a poll um, regarding the COVID-19 vaccines uh, this week. And in the, in the, a significant majority of parents are not planning to vac- vaccinate their, their underage children. What, what's, what's going on there? Yes, even as parents consider whether they're going to, uh, how they're going to afford their school supplies, they're making another decision, which is, do I get my kids vaccinated? Do I have to get my kids vaccinated? Um, and new polling found that uh, parents aren't really excited about it. And especially um, parents with children, you know, five years old and younger, or children under five, um, the majority of them have no plans right now to uh, vaccinate their children. 83% of parents with children under five um, who are eligible for the vaccine do not plan to get their kids vaccinated right now. Only 7% say that their kids under five are vaccinated. Now, of course, you know, the vaccines have been really controversial for a host of reasons, but especially so for kids, because all the research has shown that kids are much less vulnerable to serious harm, um, from, you know, from, from COVID, right? So, uh, of course, but FDA did grant emergency use authorization for Moderna and Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine for kids ages six months through four years old. So it's kind of a new debate, a new thing. It is approved now for kids as long as six months old. Um, but most parents for kids that age say they're they're not interested or they're 27% say they're going to wait and see. Um, and 13% said they will only do it if they're required to. So you don't see a lot of excitement about this. There's been, you know, some people in the health, you know, health officials trying to push it. But uh, overall, you know, I don't know. It's this is I don't know. I mean, of course, all kids get um, a lot of vaccines, but the parents raise it. Actually, the survey showed a lot of what the um, parents are worried about. And they raised one of the main concerns they raise is that there hasn't been enough time to study it. Basically it's only been a few years and we haven't let the health effects play out. And that's one of the leading reasons that parents are are hesitant. And we also know from, you know, more than two years um, worth of data that um, one, the vaccines um, don't prevent people from getting COVID. We've had some high profile examples just in the last couple of weeks, president Biden, double, uh, double vaccine, double boosted, um, contracted COVID-19. We'll, we'll end with that uh, topic here in just a second. Um, governor JB Pritzker here in my home state of Illinois, uh, double dose, double boosted, got COVID-19. And the other part, part of it is we also know that um, even if you contract COVID, younger uh, younger folks aren't as impacted uh, as much as, you know, senior citizens, older folks, or those who have other co- comorbidities. So I can understand the hesitation of parents, particularly parents of younger children. Yeah, I mean, it's a real thing. And, and it doesn't just extend to kids under five. Um, for, you know, 40% with kids ages five to 11 say that they're, um, have been vaccinated. So if, you know, five to 11 year olds, 40% vaccinated, um, and that's 57% 
for basically teenagers, 12 to 17. So, you know, it does rise as kids get older, but there's something about the, the younger kids um, where parents are more hesitant. They feel like they're, they're safer. Um, I think there's probably some concerns about how it might affect them developmentally with any vaccine. There's always concerns about, you know, fertility and things like that. That's not, I mean, that's always a, a fear on vaccines, whether it's warranted or not, but um it's interesting to me that the older your kid gets, the more comfortable you feel giving them the vaccine. I mean, uh, it says that ha- nearly half of parents with kids ages five to 11 say they will only get vaccinated if they're required to do so, or they definitely won't. So, I mean, it, you know, I wonder how much of that is political, of course, um, Republican or Republican leaning parents, 64% of them, um, who are themselves unvaccinated are, are especially likely to say they're not going to get their youngest kids vaccinated, which makes sense. But, you know, we're starting to see almost a 50, 50 split, which is kind of how our country split split politically. The vaccine has become politicized, but um, a lot of people are saying, even if there is a requirement, they're not going to comply with it. Well, let's, uh, we only have about a minute left. Um, Casey, let's, um, let's close with president Biden. We talked uh, on America and focus last week. Um, about uh, President Biden testing positive for COVID-19, um, had mild symptoms. Of course, as I mentioned, he got uh, two doses of the vaccine and then got double boosted, but still contracted it. Um, he's also 79 years old, so he's in one of those vulnerable populations. But this week he tested negative and seems to be doing okay. Yeah, we should also note that uh, Joe Manchin tested positive for COVID. So, you know, praying for both their healthy recoveries. But Biden made a first public appearance. It seems like he's doing fine, uh, at least for now. So we're grateful for that. Thank you for your insight, Casey. Uh, But that's all the time we have this week. A reminder to our listeners, you can find all of the Center Squares podcasts at americastalking.com. Take a look. Please subscribe. There is no cost. This has been the America in Focus podcast for Casey Harper. I'm Dan McCaleb. We'll talk to you next week.